left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh to he to a city, Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. I could preach on that. Sometimes you're going to get weary in your journey, and you just need to sit down and rest. Sixth hour is about noon. Uh, the Jewish clock starts at 6 a.m., goes to 6 p.m. So when someone says the sixth hour of the day, that was, that was high noon. Uh, and then what happens is after 6 p.m., it was in increments. Six to nine was the first watch. Nine to midnight was the second watch, and so on. So when they say, oh, Jesus came walking on the water during this watch, that's what they're talking to. But when it says the sixth hour, that's noon. And so there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Tonight I just want to speak on this topic, the heart of the matter. Lord Jesus, God, thank you, Lord, for being who you are. Help us to be more like you. That's the ultimate goal. We want to reflect your image and eventually see your face, God. And so, Lord, help us along this journey called life and give us wisdom tonight as we look at Scripture that you could speak things to us that would really impact us and that we would let them impact us, that our hearts and minds would be open. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Well, this woman had three strikes against her at this time. Number one, she was a woman. Now, I know that sounds derogatory, but I don't mean it derogatory. I'm just talking about in that day and age, women were not respected with the same level that they maybe would be today, and they had a different, different role, and so uh, women didn't just come out and share their opinions and, inter and interact with men on high noon. Uh, second, she was a Samaritan, which was also something that was a strike against her. And last, she had a questionable reputation. When that woman arrived at the well while Jesus was resting, this was a crisis for traditional Jewish custom of the day. Not only did the Jews avoid contact with the Samaritans, but Jewish men avoided speaking with women in public, really even, in their, own, even their own wives. Like you didn't just have a conversation with a woman in public. And so Jewish rabbis wanted women to stay in their place. Well, men certainly did not want to discuss theological issues with them. And so this, though, does not scare Jesus away. Jesus walks right up. He's not even bothered with the customary patterns of restrictive conversation. His message was for everybody, those of every culture, every nation, tongue, creed, skin color, socioeconomic background. He was about everybody. I'm thankful he was, too. And so he wanted to offer his message of hope to this woman. And Jesus knew how to connect with people. You know, I know there's books written, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And there's all these great Maxwell leadership books. But the greatest person who could connect with everybody was Jesus. Okay? And he understood their culture. He never expected for people to meet him at his level. He goes to what is familiar with, for them, 
and then he works from there. Even when he would talk about father languages, it wasn't to confuse us into thinking there's a triune, three co-equal, co-eternal God. He said, hey, you understand father language. That's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start with the father language, and then I'm going to work into deep spiritual things. And so he was always starting with what someone was familiar with and then moving into the deeper things. And so Jesus begins to talk to this woman about water. I think everybody likes water, understands water. And if you don't like water, it's a necessity to live. And he says in verse 10, he says to her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. Now, we might read that and say, oh, that's interesting. Well, we know what the living water is. That's speaking of the Spirit. Yes, but he introduces this, this, this topic here, and she understands this probably a little bit different than we're understanding it, reading it here tonight. Jesus' statement, you see in his day, in that day, in that city, there was no living water. Let me explain. In Israel, they frequently experienced drought. And people there were keenly aware of water sources and water quality. And so springs and rivers that ran all year without being dried up were few and far between. And so the land relied on cisterns that would, quote, kind of catch the water or store the water uh, in the winter rains. And so they relied on wells to tap underground water tablets. And so in Jewish culture, dead water refers to stored water. Living water refers to moving water, as in rivers or springs or rainfall. And so living water was precious because it was fresh water. It came directly from God. And so when Jesus says to this woman, hey, if you knew who was talking to you, you could, I could offer you living water. She is perplexed because she's only focusing on physical water. She's like, what? There ain't no living water. Ain't the time of year. This is not. Samaria has no river. What in the world was this crazy Jewish man talking about as he needs go through Samaria? And he stops and talks to this Samaritan woman about living water when she knows full well, I'm at the place where they're tapping into the water cisterns underground. There is no living water. I don't understand what you're talking about. And so the woman says to him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and this well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Maybe just a little bit of sarcasm. Okay, good one. Yeah, deep well, you're sitting here, you got nothing. Where's the, where's the living water you're speaking of? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? The irony, huh? Which gave us this well, and, and he himself, he drank from this well with his wife and kids and cattle, This is a special well, and it belongs to us. You crazy Jewish man who's sitting here with nothing to draw, talking about some living water. The Samaritans claimed Jacob as their forefather, and they obviously had a reverence for him. You can sense it in this passage. They had a reverence for him and his place in history and their history. So if Jacob needed to dig a well there, how could this man talk to her about how his water was superior to that? It was a little bit, she probably took it a little offensively. And so she asks Jesus about it, verse 13. And Jesus then, he says to her, whosoever drinketh of this water, you're going to thirst again. 
But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So she's sitting here talking about physical water. And he starts saying, yeah, you're going to get thirsty. And the water I have actually becomes a well inside of you that you don't have to keep going back and getting research. It's just a, an everlasting, it's never ending. It's a well that provides you the, the nourishment inside of you. And she's like, so the woman says, sir, give me this water. And I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know if she said, sir, Give me this water so that I'll never thirst again. Or if it was, sir, <laughs> oh yeah, give me some of that water that I won't thirst again. I don't know. But Jesus, you know, based on what he says here, he, he goes into the next thing. And, and we can only guess at this point. I kind of lean toward the fact that it was a little sarcastic. Because she was already going, you think you're better than Jacob? Okay, give me some of this water that I'll never get thirsty again. Because if she was just so hungry for God, wouldn't he have just stopped and said, let's, now let's talk spiritual. Instead, he looks at her and he goes, hmm, go get your husband. All of a sudden, now it's like, <laughs> Uh, now we're getting somewhere. Jesus is getting ready to take this conversation to a deeper and more personal space. Because why? Jesus is never interested in just a surface relationship. He's going to probe into the innermost part of your heart. As we've been talking about lately, he wants us to go deeper, and he wants to go deeper. And so you know what? You're going to watch a message. You're going to sit in a church. You're going to hear a pastor preach. You're going to hear an evangelist preach. You're going to see something as a, a message you watch on YouTube. You're going to read in your daily scripture. There's going to be a devotional. There, you're going to listen to something on the radio. There's going to be a song that speaks to you because because God, he's going to probe into where you are. And sometimes you're like, ooh, ah. Sometimes you might like, no, preacher. But then you go, that's right. I got to find a place to pray. I got to find a place to repent. I got to be what he's calling me because he's going to probe and he's going to try to get into the innermost part of our being. Why? Because he's not just interested in, hi, I'm Jesus. What's your name? Great. Nice to meet you. Let's be friends. He wants, he's, he's into transformation. And so the woman says to him, um, I, I have no husband. Jesus says, yeah, you've said well that you don't have a husband. You actually got five husbands. And the one you're with now, he's not your husband. Imagine that. I'm going down to get water. Bring your husband. Uh, I don't have a husband. Yeah, you've actually had five of them. And I wonder if she was like, shh. And the one you're currently with is not your husband. So yeah, you're speaking truth. Now, we get some background on why this woman was here alone and nobody else is around. You think about it. Common sense says in the intense heat of the summer sun, 
just common sense, when would you probably go down and do the hard work of drawing your water from the well and carrying it back to your home? Probably a good idea might be early in the morning or in the evening before the sunset. Probably not choosing to do that at high noon at what might be the hottest time of the day. Unless your goal is to go when no one else is there. So I'm going to go there when nobody else is around because I don't want to answer. Because people whisper every time I come around. I want to be there when nobody else is around because there's some things in my life I'm just not proud of. And so I'm going to go at the sixth hour of the day, the hottest time of the day. And John tells us this important detail because this woman is, is most likely living in isolation. She's not accepted by anyone, probably not even in her own culture. She's living a life with a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, and she's aiming to hide things from God and others. She wants the road less traveled. I don't want to explain anything. I just want to come. I want to get my water. I want to do it when no one's around. I don't want to answer any questions. I don't want to have to look people in the eye. I've lived my life. I know that there's wrong. I'm not, a, I'm not proud of anything, but hey, I made my bed, and I'm going to sleep in it. So she comes to get water. So she doesn't have to face the questions, the sneers, the jeers, the looks. And Jesus moves the conversation from a place of water to a deeper place. He's aiming to expose relational brokenness and really the sin that's in this woman's life. Somehow in this day and age, if someone's trying to expose sin, then that's just rude. You need to go somewhere where they just love you for who you are, accept you for who you are. Listen, love sometimes is that conviction. It is revealing that. I spoke on that a couple weeks ago, who the Lord loveth, he correcteth, that he is going to reach and say, hey, I love you so much, I want you to see this because this is not my plan for your life. And so he's doing this because he wants her to see something that's clearly not whole as a woman who's already endured five marriages. And divorce was far less acceptable back then than it is today. Such a string of failed relationships cannot help but leave deep emotional scars. Jesus was getting to the heart of the issue. There was deeper problems that this woman has, and she, and she was trying and still was trying to deal with through physical and sexual intimacy, emotional intimacy. Why? Because obviously there was brokenness, there was pain, there was hurt. Five divorces currently with another man, trying to mask, trying to heal herself somehow when it left all these gaping wounds, and people today still will do this. Jump from relationship to relationship, from bed to bed, looking for something to fill a void. But God comes on the scene. And he says, you know what? You can get to the place where you don't have to hunger and thirst again. That I can an experience with me and you'll be filled. You will never be totally fulfilled unless you allow Jesus into the deepest uttermost, most secret place of your heart and mind. 
And even Christians today, I think we say, yeah, no, I'm fine. I come to church. I do this. But there are, there are still things, even people here tonight, that are still have a padlock on it. There's still things that we have not revealed to Jesus. There's still things in our past that we've dealt with that we say, you know what? I'm better off not even revisiting that. I want to keep that under wraps. That was a tough time in my life, a rough moment in my childhood. I just don't even want to go there. But Jesus, you can have everything from the last four years, eight years, 12 years. But I don't want to go back 16. I don't want to talk about that. But in order for it to be possible for this woman to receive this living water in which Jesus spoke, it would be necessary for her to deal with the tragic nature of her sinful life. Therefore, Jesus confronts her. He does not just say, hey, you know what? Just come follow me. Why does he show, uh, go up to the, to the disciples and say, follow me and I'll make you fishermen? We don't see him going, let's talk about your past. With this woman, he goes, yeah, hey, five people. You've been divorced. The current one isn't your husband. Is it because he was, is it because he, he liked her less than others? Is it because he was trying to rub her face in it? No, it's because he knew that in order to move forward, she first had to come to grips with some things. In order to be what God was going to call her to be, she first needed to learn that she had to understand grace and forgive herself. You see, people aren't comfortable diving into pain or sin of the past. It's far easier to just pretend like it doesn't exist. It's far easier to just go somewhere else and just start over. Sometimes people go through something, and let's just go to a different church, because then they don't know me, and I can just get a fresh start. I'll move to a different place. I'll take a different job. Because for us, it's far easier to just pretend like something didn't happen. Ignore it. I don't want to talk to anybody about it. I'll just go somewhere else, get a fresh start. The problem is, you still know it happened. And so people today even still will try to avoid and hide things. Maybe if we just ignore them, they'll heal themselves. Kind of like that there's a fence between one another. What we often do is instead of going and saying, can we talk about this? Because something happened here that, that we need to talk about, and I'm sorry if there was. We just go, you know what? Just smile. Forget about it. And two weeks from now, we'll be talking again, and hopefully it'll go away. It happens in friendship. It happens in churches. It happens in marriages. But it's not healthy. And at this point in their conversation, Jesus is starting to hit things that are just a little too close for comfort for this woman. The woman says, sir, I, I perceive you're a prophet. You just told me I was divorced five times. The man I'm currently with is not my husband, so I get it. Okay, so you must be some kind of a prophet. And then she says, you know, our, now that you're a prophet, I got a question. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and, and you guys say that Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. I don't know if you caught that, but this happens in society sometimes. When you get too close to something that touches someone's heart, it gets a little bit too close to the pain. We'll say, hey, when did they switch out the lights? Uh, 
Yeah, I noticed they got new carpet in here. Did you guys see the work they're doing out in the parking lot? What are they doing out there anyway? They're putting some, 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 some like street lights and lamps out there. And we'll do that. But a good counselor will go, I understand I'm not talking about the street lamps right now. Back to what I just asked you. What did you ask me? I'm getting hungry. <laughs> You're laughing because you've probably dealt with someone who does this, or maybe you do it. Because why? We're getting a little bit too close. I don't want to talk about my divorce. I don't want to talk about how I was raped. I don't want to talk about how somebody sexually abused me. I don't want to talk about how my parents, I came from a broken home. I don't want to talk about how I never felt like my parents loved me. I don't want to talk about these things. I don't want to talk about experiences that I had in church. I don't want to talk about the struggles I'm having with my spouse right now. So instead, I'll talk to you about McDonald's and lights and paint colors and cars. Keep it surface. I want to smile. I want to be friends. I want to be a part of the church. But I don't really want to get that deep. She says, yeah, I understand you're a prophet. And uh, yeah, there's, everybody's always talking about where to worship. What do you think on that? We sometimes do that same thing. We build barriers between us and people. We even build barriers between us and Jesus. Because we don't want to let him in. We're afraid to examine our past or our hurts. We're trying so hard to act like we have everything together, like we're confident. I don't really want someone to know. I want someone to know just God's been good. Amen. Here It's testimony hour. We just say, God's been good to me. He's brought me through a lot. Praise God. But I certainly don't want to say, it started when I was five. It started when I was six. I was done. I went through this. My parents went through this. I didn't. Why? Because then all of a sudden, what if people look at me different? That's none of their business. That's in the past. But have you actually ever dealt with it? Or are we hiding? We don't really want anyone to know the pain we feel. We want to look religious by asking religious questions and joining religious conversations. Maybe that was her way. Yeah, even though I've been married five times and I'm currently with a person that's not my spouse. Hey, I, I understand the religious discourse, Rabbi. Let's talk about where it, people should worship because I have my theories on this. But God wants to get down deep. He wants to get to the heart of the matter. He wants to heal your inner wounds. He wants to restore you. I joked with my wife earlier this week. She said, what are you speaking on Wednesday? And I said, maybe I'll talk about going deeper again and just laughed. I had zero intention of mentioning it again. I mean, like, it's been like three messages and a Saturday prayer. But God literally just keeps dealing with me on the same thing. He's calling me deeper. He's calling you deeper. He's calling our church deeper. And if we're not careful, it just becomes a season of fall messages. And we go, that was good, interesting. What's next? 
and we actually don't do anything to go deeper. And then everything that's God's done, everything I've said and everything that's been preached, it's it's kind of worthless. Because it didn't it did not instigate a totally different change in us. And so change not necessarily meaning we're back, so we're a bunch of sinners, we're all going to hell, none of that. It's good godly people that have done great things and been a part of amazing things, but have kind of reached a ceiling where God goes, now it's time to remove that and go to a different level. It's time to go to a new depth. And I feel like he just keeps calling us into this. And so I challenged us a couple weeks ago. We had a full church prayer about the way we would pray and the way we would push past the flesh. Last Sunday, I talked about practical things, about commitment and consecration. It's not just prayer and fasting. Definitely needed. But it's also practical things about commitment, consecration that calls me to a deeper place. Tonight, it is if we're going to go deeper, you cannot hide some of the things that you've been hiding. Even from God himself. I just prefer not to go there to, exact, to act like it doesn't exist, like it never happens. And he's going, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. But part of this call to greater depth, it's not just prayer and fasting, not just commitment and consecration, but it's letting God in. It's giving him the things that are raw and real and letting him go to the heart of the matter, things of the past, things of childhood, things that are currently hidden and that you are ashamed of. Going deeper includes working with God through all of these things. Jesus doesn't let this woman's off-topic religious question derail him. He does not just go, yeah, no, I'm passionate about that. No, 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 no. Being a Jew, I know that the mountain is very important. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He, again, cuts through the barriers that she's, again, building as they speak. It's not really possible, is it? to build barriers while we're literally standing in the presence of God? Not only is it possible, and she was trying to do it, but we do it too. Even now, some of you are thinking back to things that happened in pain, and, and you're like, no, no, I mean, listening to the message. No, he's talking to somebody else. That's not me. We're literally building, the presence of God is here. He's speaking to people, and we're literally building barriers in the presence of God trying to justify why we personally don't need to deal with that. Principles for life tonight. Thank God for her. Thank God for us. Jesus is willing to pursue us. And so verse 21, Jesus says, woman, believe me. The hour cometh when ye shall... He didn't even touch the, the, the mountain and the worship. He was he, he just... Well, hey, I'm, I'm assuming you're some kind of a rabbi, a prophet, a man of God. What do you think about this religious topic? Woman, which, by the way, was a term of respect back then. Don't try that today. Not going to work out so well. <laughs> I did try that once. I said to my wife, woman, and... 
she looked at me really funny, and I was like, it's a term of respect in the Bible. She just said, not today. <laughs> Believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet Jerusalem worship the Father. I ain't talking about that. He says, you worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Ooh, all right, straightforward. But the hour cometh, and now is. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know, yeah, the Messiah cometh. He's called Christ, and when he comes, he's going to teach us all these things. And Jesus says, I, I that speak unto thee am he. How'd that come? Imagine this woman at this moment. Because there was tons of people in that day claiming to be the Christ. But even on the road to Emmaus, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, meets two people. And what do they say? How my soul did burn within me as he began to talk. There's no way. Think about when you felt the anointed word of God preached. Imagine the word became flesh speaking directly to you. There would be an internal check in your spirit that would go, something is different. Even the rabbis, when he was 12, they were like, he speaks with such authority. I can't even imagine what it would be like to hear a message from Christ as he preached and taught how powerful that would have been to hear the word in flesh teaching Biblical concepts and godly values. I mean, how incredible that would be. No doubt she would have felt something. And upon this time, he's, his, his disciples show up. And I wonder if she's like, no, 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 go. This is amazing. He, this, he just told me, hang on. Ah. And they walk up and they're like, you're talking to a woman. You're talking to a Samaritan woman. You're talking to a Samaritan woman that I've heard a couple things about her. Why are you talking to her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, some of them, she might have known. Saith to the men, come see a man which told me all the things I ever did. Is this not the Christ? Then they went into the city and came unto him. Look at how her understanding unfolds. In verse 9, she recognizes him as a Jew. You're a Jew. Why are you talking to me? In verse 11, 15, and 19, she calls him sir. In verse 29, she thinks he might be the Messiah. And in verse 42, she recognizes him as the Savior of the world. Because why? The longer you spend with Jesus the more of a revelation you will receive of who he is. Right now, you might just be like, yeah, he's a, yeah, he, uh, yeah he, God is a guy. He's, he's a savior. Yeah, he's done this for all these people. But when you're in the presence of God over and over again, you get to the point where you go, I will tell you, he, he is my friend. He's my father. He's the one who paid the price. He's the one who set me free, who delivered me. How are you going to tell someone else about a Jesus who you've not spent time with? But when you're in the presence of Jesus, the revelation becomes deeper and deeper and more and more progressive. 
The reason why some of us don't have a full understanding of who Jesus is is because we have not yet been in his presence for the, for the correct or the best amount of time. As you spend time in his presence, he will reveal himself to you. But he says, it was time to get to the heart of the matter. This Samaritan woman was trying to work the deep-seated personal issues by looking for fulfillment. Man after man, she wanted someone to love her, make her feel good, accept her. And people are still doing this. They're still doing this today with drugs, sex, alcohol, pornography, relationships, social media, pouring themselves into work, or even for some just going and trying to pursue more and more degrees, more and more education. Why? Because in none of this, in, in some of that's not even sin, but it's just we get to the point where instead of just saying, My, I want to be in the presence of Jesus, I want him to reveal himself to me, we're just looking for something to fill voids and heal hurts. Someone somewhere may have destroyed your confidence and your feelings of self-worth are damaged. You've been hurt, wronged, abused. It's crazy. Statistics alone, it's not even God has spoken right now. Like, statistics alone. You're sitting in a room right now where people have been raped, where people have been sexually assaulted, molested in their lives. People have been cheated on. Maybe you're the one that did the cheating. I mean, like, real life stuff in this room. We don't really know because we come to church and we're like, Let's just praise God and just push on. And, and I know some of you say, well, that's the way it should be. But you see, God's given some of you a testimony. And for some of you, it's time to share. Let me tell you about what God kept me from. Let me tell you what he delivered me from. Let me tell you what he, he, he brought me through. And others of you are not ready to do that because the pain is still so intense that it's easier to just go, that was a long time ago. It, 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 there's no need to talk about it. I, I love and serve God. It, it, it was in the past. It's in the past. There's no need to dig up the past. But if there's still stuff there that it has hurt you and, you're, and you still try to avoid certain things and certain conversations and topics and, and you change the subject, I don't want to go there. That's, that's too real for me. I feel like God is trying to go. Let's get to the heart of the matter. And if I'm ever going to actually heal you and call you to what I want you to be, you can't just pretend and ignore like it's not there. I'm not saying that you have to blame everything and just your life derails and you just blame everything on childhood. No, but there's something about going... If I need to talk to somebody, I'm going to talk to somebody. Why? Because I know that I am where I am today because of Christ, but I also know that there's certain things in my heart that are not completely healed yet. And there's just like a, it's like a little tension in the air. Why? Because we don't talk about this stuff. It's so much easier to just move on Change the subject and pretend it never happened. But part of going deeper 
and what God is calling us to do is to digging deep into here and going, what's in there that has not yet been healed? I've been filled with his spirit and baptized in his name. I've been a part of amazing things, miracles, signs, wonders. I'm in ministry. I do this stuff. But what's in there that I keep trying to just ignore and hide and pretend it never happened? And God's going, I'm, I'm specifically asking about that tonight. Not to rub your face in it, but to go, I'm calling to make you whole. I'm calling you, the, the, the hour cometh and now is. When God's will for your life is right here in your presence. And I want to take your life, and I want to do things, and I want to forgive, and I want to restore, and I want to heal and set free. I'm calling you into something greater and powerful, more powerful and deeper. But don't pretend. Don't hide anymore. I know. In spite of knowing everything, if you would have asked that lady when, he, when, when he said, yeah, I know. Go get your husband. I don't have a husband. Yeah, you're right, because you've been divorced five times, and the one you're currently with is not your husband. I don't think at that point she was like, oh, this is awesome. This is the moment that he calls me into a deeper relationship with my Savior. She's probably like, okay, so you're a prophet. This is embarrassing. The re get out of here. The reason I came here was at noon in the heat was to avoid this conversation. But he says, I know, I know what you've gone through. I know the hurt. I know what you're looking for. I know the pain. But I still love you, and I have a plan. And the fullness of God is standing in your presence, conversing with you right now. When I'm not supposed to talk to women, I'm not supposed to talk to Samaritans, and I'm certainly not supposed to talk to you and the choices you've made with your life. And here I am, and I'm reaching to you in spite of all the things that have happened, in spite of all the pain, in spite of all the hurt, in spite of all the life experience that you have. And I'm here because it's time to go deeper. But before we do that, we got to get to the heart of the matter. And so tonight, you can stand to your feet. Because I believe this is part of us going deeper too. I believe he doesn't just want a surface relationship. I believe he's not looking for people to again build the wall, make it higher and thicker and stronger, avoid it. He's looking for people who are not afraid to get out of their seats and come to an altar because well, you better look around and make sure someone else goes first because if you come first, then what if people think that you're the one that has issues and you don't want that because we have to act like we have it all together. There's no problems. And so I'm going to let everyone else kind of go before me. Forget that. Forget that. It's a time for us to come to an altar and to find a place and go, Hey, Lord, if any, everything's great, everything's great. Cool, you don't have to make something up. But if there's somebody in here, maybe you're like this woman, you're going, man, I've been divorced. 
I've had an abortion. I've, I've done things. I've been a part of things that I'm not super proud of, and I'd rather they just go away. People have done things to me. They've said things to me. They've hurt me. They've wronged me. There's, there's wounds that are still there. I think tonight's the night where we can bring all that to Jesus. You're literally in the presence of God Almighty who could sit here and list out everything. He saw everything. And for some, you know, sometimes you go, and if he saw it, then why did he let it happen? That's a tough question. But everything that has happened to your, in your life, it has, it has developed you into who you are right now. And I can assure you that every, every ounce, every moment of pain, agony, strife, whatever's happened, he's loved you through it all. And here he is. He could sit here and share the recording of your whole life and everything that you're not proud of. And he's still going. Let's get to the heart of the matter. Let's go deeper. Let's go ahead and talk about this. Don't ignore it. Don't pretend it didn't exist. But as we find a place to pray, we can actually bring him these things openly. And prayerfully, we'll get to the point as a church where one day we can bring these things to each other openly. Where we don't have to pretend like, I don't struggle, I don't have weaknesses. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens and weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. But I don't, I, I, I don't give you any burdens to bear because I would rather make you think that I'm perfect. I'd rather make you think that I have it all together. I don't have any burdens. So prayerfully tonight, we can bring it to Jesus and eventually we can bring these things to one another and have open conversation about our testimony, about what God's done, about what he's delivered us from, what he brought us through, what the, 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 the wounds that he's healed, about how we can look at people and say, you know what, some of these things I chose, I did them myself, I made poor choices, but in spite of my own choices, God, God still did this and God's grace still reached out and his love and mercy and, and let me tell you you don't have to be perfect people walk in all the time and think we have to be perfect because they look at people and assume they're all perfect no one here is perfect it's just not everybody talks about their imperfections so tonight I invite you to find a place to pray to bring these things to Jesus to bring the faults, the failures, the hurts, the poor choices, the things done to you, the things you did, to bring it all. Say, God, I want to go deeper. I don't want any of this stuff to hinder me. I want to be open with what I've done, what I've experienced, what I've had done to me. God, I bring it all, all of it. I want to talk to you openly about all of it, Jesus. It's not like you don't know. I want to share it with you, God. Because I want to, I want to have healing. I want, to, I want to have restoration. I want that pain, that agony. I want the fear. I want the embarrassment. I want the shame. I want it out. I, want it, I don't want it no more. God, I just want to bring it to you. I want to bring you everything. Everything. The stuff that no one even knows about. No one knows about it. God, I want to talk to you openly right now because I know you know. Jesus, help us.